Hi guys, welcome back. Um, so we've we've talked a, little, a lot about WLTP. Um, I'd encourage you, if you want any more information, because it is quite a complex topic, to go to insights.leaseplan.co.uk. You'll land on the Fleet Navigator page, and there's a web contact form there, so you can uh, you can ask us any questions that you want. Uh, it's probably important before we move on just to just have a quick you know finish off on electric vehicles. Uh, you know, it's important that we recognise that electric vehicles are tested under the same testing regime, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think. When you talk of this ZER or zero emissions range, that's to give you a little bit of context. That's how a vehicle's measured, how much a vehicle will drive on just battery only before the combustion engine kicks in. Uh, and this is where you saw some of the grant funding for for those that had a very mm. small ZER or zero emissions yeah. range, because obviously if they're not charged up, also you're not getting the performance out of the vehicle, so you you have a danger of ending up with a fairly inefficient combustion engine with no green credentials. But um, so under the new WLTP test, the batteries on electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids are tested on on full battery down to depletion and then they measure also then the emissions when the combustion engine comes in but also when the battery is then recharged up how much energy that is using so the energy efficiency of the battery and again so the accuracy of of those stats hitting will be aligned to hopefully the accuracy that we're seeing mm. now with with the emissions of an internal combustion engine yeah, any of these aren't as, aren't as affected by the new tests. No. I mean, you know, we'll point it out anyway, but obviously a, a sure. pure EV doesn't generate CO2. No. So no. It, it doesn't matter no. what the options you put on it or the weight change, but also it does on range. So range will be part of the test. So EVs where you might fit a heavier option, for example, would affect the range. But it's it should be noted, it should be pointed out really that if you look at electric vehicles, there aren't many options that you can fit to them. They come very well fitted anyway. Most updates or, or options are done over, over the air. They're done as software updates. Yeah. So they're not going to be as affected by that new test. So we should probably have a word about vans, shouldn't we? Who, who doesn't talk, want to talk, talk about, about vans? A lot about yeah, cars. Yeah, absolutely. We should probably talk about commercial vehicles. Yeah, um, and I think you know, there's certainly the the issues we saw around production, sort of beginning about this time last year, the removal of some models, the the pre preparation of the first of September introduction of WLTP for registered cars. We are now in that same phase uh, a year later for like commercial and commercial vehicles. So obviously from the 1st of September this year, they will then be also included under the WLTP regime as well. So there's already some manoeuvring with certain manufacturers and certain engines. Also, there is, I think, because, you know, if you think options on cars is complicated, you imagine (laughs) what fitting a van out um, and not just options on a van, but conversions on a van. So, you know, cherry picker type constructions on the top of a van from tail lifts to drop sides to then even racking, ply lining and and, and so on and so forth. So I think it's still quite a nuanced picture, quite one that needs a little bit of clarity from both the manufacturers and the testers as to what they're doing. And we have to hope that uh, they'll have their house in order by the time it comes on the 1st of September. But it is important. Obviously, there's less consideration because at the moment, taxation for vans isn't linked to co2 uh, as it is for cars but again uh, as we know the government uh, are planning and again part of the finance bill will i'm sure have a nod and we we highly suspect that well we pretty much know that there will be a nod certainly if it's not benefiting kind taxation it will be initially for vehicle excise duty to look at the co2 of of a van and link that to how much you'll pay on your first registration fee and thereafter so whilst I think the van market and maybe the the van fleet manager doesn't quite have the sensibility of looking at um, at CO two as to the taxation or or the whole life cost. If they if they believe that's not where it's going, they are either 
a little misguided or a little a little deluded to not be uh, to to make too fine a point. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes with it. So a date for your diary for all van operators is start looking around because first of September um, you are going to see some uh, some issues. Again, we don't know. Last year, as you remember, Matt, there was some derogated stock. Yeah. So these were vehicles that had been built beyond sort of June that were unable to get registered prior to the 1st of September that the EU allowed manufacturers to sell on, normally to a restricted degree of supply. At this stage, we're not sure what the derogation, if at all, for vans will be, but I would expect, again, there will be some sort of element of that approaching vans come 1st of September. I think the big clarity that we need, you you raised it on some of the manufacturer fit options or, or the converter options, and we still don't have a view no. as to what number is going to be used. We, we know it'll be from the certificate of conformity. Does that mean a vehicle needs to be retested yeah. um, once it's got a cherry pick or a high ab or a you know, tail lift on it? I have um, this view of <laughs> something I do in the training room where, you know, you've ordered this van and it, so your van's here, Andy, and you come out and you go... Hello, hello, hello. There's nothing in it. And someone hands you a business card and say, there's a conversion specialist. <laughs> but where's it's, my racking? Where's my fly It's crazy. But, I know, mean, it, it, but it's uh, crazy. I don't think it's going to be that dark, but, you know, just But it's crazy that we don't know, yeah, right? Yeah. Because logic tells you that it should be tested with everything on it yeah. to be fair to those vehicles that don't have it For on sure. it. But to expect a converter no. to, to suddenly become a, a lab tester for WLTP also, is, is, is ludicrous. Yeah, but also, you know, you know, that's the conversion. What about payload? You know, what's yeah. it carrying? How many, you know, so with cars, obviously passengers, but, you know, with these vans, in terms of everything, you know, is it half full? Is it is it full? Is it on weight? Is it on mass? Is it on, you know, three builders in the front, you know, two on the back, three off the side? So there's a whole level of complexity around that that goes well beyond and looks at its usage as well. What what sort of stuff am I carrying? You know, so yeah, it's um, you God, know, we, we, could, we could be here all afternoon. Let's hope they don't start looking at payload on cars because I'm in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, I've you're seen, all right. You're a slender reed no, nowadays. Uh, but I've had a look in your boot. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I would say, you know, you know, it's coming to this critical mass. I mean, we we talk about vans and commercial vehicles in terms of vehicle excise duty. The government simply have to have a different table for vans. Yeah. There's a real worry that this is going to be introduced with no step change and no smoothing into our current vehicle excise duty. Well, if you look at the kind of CO2 that is generated by vans, you know, they're going to be up in kind of the top two thirds of that table. And the vehicle excise duty rates first year are a huge. Extraordinary. So there's going yeah. to have to be yeah. a different table, yeah. you'd think. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, but I think, again, you know, if that's going to drive people to look seriously at uh, electric vans, which, again, seems to be behind the curve, mm-hmm. but building very nicely, you know, and we've got to start seeing brands and models that we know you know that, that that's, that's the kind of frustration. you know once we see you know the e-custom you know transit and the e-transporter and the e-sprinter and the same way in cars the e-focus and the e-fiesta and the e-golf then we kind of know where we are because then at some point it would follow in five years time we just drop the e and that's a golf and kids passing their driving tests six years on will be amazed that that ever burnt fuel you know for me, because it's a big change to move into this alternative fuels or even to look at electric when you're also, what, what, the, what the heck's this name? I, I don't know what the Icarus is, you know, <laughs> or the Ilios is, or the, you know, but I know what a Golf is and I know what a Transporter is and I know what a Sprinter is and I know what a Crafter yeah. is, you know, you know what I mean? It's, we're dealing with a very clear mindset, you know, and I think that's the advantage that, you know, the likes of Tesla have had is that they're not transitioning from a one model to the next. You know, they've been electric from the start. 
Whereas we have to take into account, and you use the term step change, we've got to take people on this journey and not patronise the fact that this has been in our ethos with petrol and diesel vehicles for the years and years and years and years and years. So it's there's not one solution here. Mm. But until we get people comfortable with where it's going, where it ultimately will be going, it's going to go at a pace that needs to go quicker. You know, um. I think you raise a, a good point around the chassis types. If we look at traditional electric vehicles, plug-ins are, will put in a slightly different basket for the time being. But if you look at a pure electric vehicle, they've all pretty much been built from the ground up. Yeah. And funnily enough, Kona was almost built the other way around. So it was built as an EV and then they stuck an internal combustion engine in it. But if you, you know, if you look at the likes of Tesla, if you look at e-tron, if you look at iPACE, they're built as an electric vehicle chassis from the ground yeah. up. Whereas commercial vehicles at the moment, they almost take an internal combustion engine variant and chuck a battery in it. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, it doesn't perform that well. So until we see manufacturers really committing to creating an electric van from the chassis up, there are people out there looking at it. So street, street scooter and arrival are, are two to mention. But until that technology is mainstream, they're, they're a long way off. Yeah. They're a long way off. Yeah. And I guess as we've been talking about EV, but we've also been talking about um, emissions, we get to really the second regime is important, I suppose, and particularly for diesel and, this, and, the, yeah. and the, the, the diesel yeah. question. And that would be what's known as RDE or, or real driving emissions. And, and where, again, to make it simple for you, I said, you know, when you associate WLTP, attach lab test, CO2, MPG or performance. So when we're talking about RDE, I would just again just use two words really. NOX. Okay, so that's the acronym for nitrogen oxide. So the two particular ones that we're talking about here is nitric oxide and nitrogen dioxide. And then PM and in particular PM2. So these are particulate matter. So these are the things that that got diesel its its bad name yep. sort of four, five, six years ago. So RDE is is an on-the-road test, okay, and that's important. A lot of people are conflating WLTP and RDE, and is that one in the lab, is that one on the road? So RDE is very much on the road. So as you know, they basically fit over the back of an exhaust. So if you you can, I'm, I'm holding my pen up, it looks like an exhaust. So I'm cupping it with my hand, and that hand re- represents this thing called a PEMS, or a portable emissions measuring system. And this contraption fits over the end of the exhaust. It's connected to a number of tubes and a computer and some filters that analyse basically all the stuff that's coming out of the tailpipe. And that's a really important distinction for people to make, is that this is now, whereas the WLTP is looking at CO2 and miles per gallon performance, this is looking at what's gone through the diesel particulate filter treated by AdBlue, all the other treatments within the fuel, but what is still coming out of the tailpipe. So they'll drive that out on the road and there's a, a restriction, there's a a, a number of elements so they'll look at high altitudes low altitudes smooth roads bumpy roads yep. motorways urban streets uh, different temperatures different payloads comes in after the test they analyze the emission but also what they'll do is they'll have a look at what's been captured and effectively they'll tap that out and they'll weigh it okay so rde has been introduced into two steps rde step one will allow a certain amount of stuff to come through okay a certain weight and then if it doesn't, if too much is getting through, it's too heavy in effect, then it's back to the drawing board. It will be a straight pass or fail. That won't be RDU one step compliant and they're back to the drawing board. So RDU one comes in September this year. The game changer will be in 18 months time. January 1st, 2021, because RDE2 will be made mandatory. So RDE2, or Real Driving Emissions 2, it's the same test. It's really important with just a different permissible amount of stuff. So where they let let in 168 grams per kilometre of of NOx, which is the, the, the state, they will be reducing that to an allowable 120. And this is the game changer for diesel because all diesel vehicles that will be RDE2 compliant 
the current uplift for first registration fee one band and a four percent four percent increase to your benefit in kind taxation is waived so effectively because that will be mandatory for new diesels coming in or new vehicles coming in on the 1st of january 2021 there will be no supplement thereafter for the new vehicles registered and that's a game changer yet i mean you know I, it, oh man you, you know i i, I put us in the bubble do you down. I, I, I lifted the bubble and you've come along and you've burst the bubble man i think it's worth saying that you yeah, know no, no. We, we're already hearing rde3 you know <laughs> we genuinely are you know we're used to being in this regime where governments see vehicles as a way of taxing and we should bear in mind from the vehicle excise duty that isn't just applicable to company cars. No. That's applicable to everybody. Yeah, sure. So test is is law from Jan. You know, must meet meet these kind of compliance issues. But what's interesting is what we have seen is manufacturers go sooner. So yeah. there's nothing in the legislation no. that says people can't test it yet. You know, before. So and we're, we're not talking. You know, wacky makes and models here. No. We're talking mainstream. You know, Merc A class, B class, Jaguar XE, yeah. and Range Rover Evoque, right. which yeah. is a real game changer are RDE2 compliant already. Now, that doesn't mean that the government are ready to use the RDE2 rules yet, because they're not, as we've found, to to, to some cost. And as we move into September this year, and we move into the new registration regime, we are expecting the narrative, we're expecting more and more vehicles to be RDE2 compliant ahead of time. But we shouldn't think that as all deals diesel vehicles will be compliant when it's mandatory mm. that a wily government wouldn't introduce no. some form of real you know harsher test to ensure that tax take continues but for the time being it's a much fairer test i think your description was great the tailpipe side is absolutely welcome mm. in terms of measuring some of the most dangerous particulates yeah. so we all focus on co2 as you know this terrible thing because it costs us money yeah. Actually, it's the Knox particulates that cost oh, yeah. lives. Right? And then, and the danger is, is that I think the rather crude demonisation. And I don't work for the Diesel Commission, but the, you know, five years ago, putting those sound bites out that, oh, having spent ten years of saying diesel, 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 to suddenly no, it needed to be far clearer on what aspect mm. of diesel we're talking about. Yeah. So for me, if RDE as a test is robust enough and it's correct then that should bring some consumer confidence back to diesel that actually, look, if it is still is a, a fuel of choice, it's not going anywhere at this stage. And whilst it's an alternative, if it's the cleanest it can be, then fair enough. What you don't want is people to look as petrol as the CO2 choice because it's ridiculous. Because, on you know, that's where you can see rises, you know, what the the average CO2 in the UK went up by 4% last year. Yeah, some first, of that First time in 10 years. And some of that rightly was a general uplift of the new test regime, I'm sure. But some of it was because people were thinking, so scared off from diesel, oh, well, I best go back to petrol. But from a CO2 point of view, always higher CO2s. Yeah, know. I mean, the work that, you know, the work that we're doing and, and, the, and the guidance that we're giving, we talked a lot about electric vehicles because it's a big topic at the moment. But in terms of guidance for fleets, in terms of guidance for businesses, it's now much more, it's not about one policy fits more anymore. No. We, we, we sit and we look very closely at what are the behaviours that your fleets are exhibiting? Who could electric vehicles be a genuine fit for? What else are people doing? Where do diesels still fit within your fleet? New cleaner diesels. Yeah. And the move to RDE2 from that and, and the way the manufacturers responded, I have to say, is welcome. Yeah. 
And okay, so diesel still plays a part in those fleets, particularly on you know highways and byways and motorways, because yeah. it's still one of the most efficient vehicles from from a fuel perspective. So it's not about you know this demonization. It's not about looking at it and saying you know it, it, it's this or it's that. It's about that smooth transition, yeah. and it's about that move. Yeah. So yeah, I think real world driving emissions, I think is a it's a much easier one to understand. I think yeah. it's much more straightforward. Yeah. And I think so long as you divorce it from the overall WLTP testing regime and think about those two yeah. separate tests, I think then it's that much clearer. That's it. And just make it simple for yourself because I think, you know, because that's that's you. The more you can make sense of it in your own head, you can then explain this to your drivers, you can explain this to your your bosses, you can explain this to your investors. And don't think for one minute the awareness is particularly high in the in the in the public domain. It's not. And I think we we owe it, you know, anyone within the industry to bring some clarity to this, to be sensible and to say, look, there's two tests now out there, WLTP and RDE, fit for purpose more reflective of how you and I would drive our vehicles so that fleets can make a better informed decision, that governments can look at emissions and emissions reduction. And we'll be talking in, in future podcasts about clean air zones, yep. and it's all kind of linked to that. Nice to yeah, Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all day. But you're in a situation where we can just start to really understand this information so we can just make uh, more informed decisions. And that's hopefully what these podcasts will bring you as well. It will bring you a little bit more yeah, insight or things to think about that will hopefully drive you to our insights page and dig a bit deeper because there is lots of information out there. I just think at times it's just too big a subject for it people and it's a bit overawing. So hopefully what we've done in this in this podcast is just bring a little bit of humour, bring a little bit of, of insight, but also just break it down for you. You know, don't overcomplicate this. It's still vehicles, yeah. still fuel. and uh, But hopefully we're in a situation where we can just make a bit more informed decision. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you, Andy. So, as Andy says, hopefully this has uh, simplified the subject for you. If you've got questions, please do go to the Insights page, insights.leaseplan.co.uk, and you'll find the Navigator page and a, and a web address there, so you can contact us that way. But for now, we'll look forward to seeing you in your new podcast. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure as always. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you, and we'll see you soon on Fleet Navigator. See you.